Why does your Bible have missing verses in it? What is Christian nationalism? And what will happen to us if we're guilty of sins we don't know about and have not confessed? The answers to these questions and others when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study that we may be children of God without blemish, shining as stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. Tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. And nobody else probably noticed this because uh, there was music that was playing underneath you saying that, but Mm -hmm. had that loud Jeep (laughs) go by right while you were doing that, and Uh. I'm... I'm just frowning at him as he goes by. My wife's talking. Be quiet. You're so sweet. <laughs> well, how are you doing after our trip to Alaska? Oh, it was refreshing. A little bit wet? Yes, a little bit. It's the rainy season. It is, but we had the dry moments when we absolutely needed That's that. right. There was sunshine when we needed there to be sunshine. Yeah, it was great. And it was wonderful. So we want to say thanks to our friends at Faith Bible Fellowship Yes, in Big Lake, Alaska. Yes. It was wonderful to be up there and meet you all. And see a couple of our friends up there, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, friends of ours that actually had been part of our church in Kansas mm-hmm. <laughs> and have moved up to Alaska. Yeah. We got to see them and our friend Nathaniel Jolly. And his wife. And yes. his wife. Who are in Homer, Alaska? Mm-hmm. Way down on the—is it the Kenai Peninsula? Was that what it was called? Yeah, Ke- or Ketchikan? No, 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 Kenai. Kenai. Okay. Yeah. So way down there on the south end of that of that peninsula. Uh huh. And we walked out on the spit. I, I like how you said way down south. Yeah. <laughs> I was just way at down that. south <laughs> of Alaska. Yeah, but Alaska is the size of a country. <laughs> it is. It is. I can't even tell you the number of times we heard somebody tell us this. Every time we stood before a map uh-huh. and somebody's telling us about like you know the ministry goes here right. or or our business reaches out here whatever it was every time we're standing in front of a map somebody said to us if you were to cut alaska in half texas would be the third largest state yep we heard that so many times yes <laughs> and i was i was ready for it one more time <laughs> and i wanted to say it with the person <laughs> When they told us that, but we never heard that again. No, I was ready for it. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to quote it with them this time. It is huge, though. It is big. Because, I mean, all of the maps that we get, um, it always has it cut out and, you know, moved like Hawaii. You know, it's all moved into a different spot. But Hawaii looks like it's about the size of Alaska. (laughs) So it's like you just don't really understand until you're looking at a real map, you know? Well, I think Hawaii might be actual size. (laughs) That's true. And then Alaska scaled down. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, you don't really get the sense of scale when you're looking at a map of the U.S. And oh, you have not at all. Alaska's like a third the size of California, you yes. know, right down here. Yeah, it's just crazy. But it was it gorgeous. Beautiful. Yes, beautiful up there. We got there. to see a moose and we got to taste a moose. <laughs> <laughs> not the same moose. No, not the same moose. And it was, it was dead. <laughs> it, was, it was put in a... Um, there was one in a meatball, and then there was one in, like, a, a casserole. casserole. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we got to taste um, caribou and salmon. 
It was really fun. It was great. And People we, up there were amazing. Yes, we thank you so much to everybody who welcomed us warmly and showed us around. Oh, yeah. Took us flying. Yeah. Because everybody gets around by like boat or plane up there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's awesome. It was good to hear about the Kingdom Air Corps. Yeah, Kingdom Air Corps. Great ministry up there, yes. which happens to have a location just like an hour from where we live in Texas. Yep. I didn't even know it was there. Yeah. So that was pretty neat. neat. Yeah. Really, really neat. Well, thank you so much to everybody. And and remember, as we said before we left for Alaska, if you just offer us pizza, we'll come somewhere. (laughs) And we did. We did get pizza. We got pizza. (laughs) It was like our last day there. They held on to us until the last day. And then we got our pizza. Yep. (laughs) And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. We just got pizza. It's like, no, that's great. Yeah, that's exactly what we were missing. It was fabulous. On the Friday edition of the broadcast, we respond to questions from listeners, and you can send your questions to whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. Now, babe, I'm hoping we have enough time at the end here. We have some miscellaneous questions to get to. Okay. But we still have to finish up the verses of the Bible that are missing from the Bible. Yes. (laughs) Those missing verses. The verses that are not in the but not, they from weren't the, well, they're not really from the bible that's a little tough they're not in the original tricky. not in the original text there you go and there's some modern translations in which you won't find those verses i've been reading from the english standard version because that's the easiest one to go to yeah some translations like the new american standard mm-hmm. or the legacy standard will put the the verse that was not in the original text they'll put it in brackets oh yeah okay so you'll have the number there. The The numbers will still be in succession, but there will be some sort of note mm-hmm. that this verse was not in the original text. I have dyslexia, so I am not paying attention to anything other than the words <laughs> <laughs> and the periods, and that's it. Right. So it's just sort of, I, I think I, I have overlooked that in my Bible. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Why are these verses missing? <clears throat> well, a King James Onlyus will tell you. That the modern translations are corrupt Mm -hmm. and they're trying to like remove certain doctrines. No, most of these verses appear somewhere else in the New Testament. Yes. It's just that some overzealous scribe has taken it upon themselves to to take like a verse that appears in Matthew, but that parallel passage in Mark mm-hmm. doesn't have the same verse in Matthew. So they'll try to carry that over and write that in there. And and sometimes it's just to further explain what's going on. Yeah, right. They, they feel like ah, this needs some help. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. yeah, they'll add a few extra words in there. But it was not what Matthew originally wrote or right. Mark originally wrote. Right. So we've been through the Matthew and Mark passages. So far, we've covered Matthew 17, 21, mm-hmm. 18, 11, and 23, 14. Mm-hmm. Then there's also Mark 7, 16, 9, 44, 9, 46, 11, 26, and 15, 28. And then mm-hmm. we also covered the Mark and appendix. Right. So now we're up to Luke, and there's only one in Luke. Okay. So we're going to Luke chapter 17. You got that up in front of you there? Yes, I do. So Luke 17. <laughs> On my handy-dandy app. <laughs> and I'm going to begin reading in verse 30. So this is where Jesus is talking about the revealing of the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. 
Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together, one will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Hmm. What verse was missing there? 36. Verse 36. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Where have you heard that before? That's in the parallel passage in Matthew 24. Yeah. I was thinking it was in Matthew. Yeah. Luke just doesn't include that. Right. So again, some scribe decided, oh, you know what? Luke, yeah, you just, you needed to share notes with Matthew. Yeah. So let me help you out. And grabbing that verse and bringing it over. Now, that may not have been his intention. Of course. <laughs> he thought he was doing the right thing, filling it out just like it looks over in Matthew, but it wasn't <laughs> the way that Luke wrote this account of Jesus telling his disciples about the revealing of the Son of Man. Could it be that, I mean, I'm sure they've had it written out, but could it be that it was just word of mouth and then they remembered that story differently? So they wrote it. Like Luke remembered it differently? No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the overzealous. Story. Oh, no, they would have been copying. Oh, they would They would have, have copied okay. manuscripts. So yeah. it wouldn't have been like a mistake on their part. Right. Okay. So they, they, would they were just doing it. Very, to very unlikely. Clarify. Yeah. Very okay. unlikely that he's got it memorized and he's just standing there writing just all checking. that out. Yeah. No. Nope. Just checking. Okay. Yeah. So because this edition did not happen until. Uh, oh, that's true. Like six or seven hundred years after. That's true. The gospel was written. Okay. Fair enough. But it was added in there before we came up with the number system. Mm -hmm. So then after right. chapters and numbers had been, or chapter and verses had been assigned to the text mm -hmm. and uh, and that's been translated for you know over and over and over again right and now you come to find out when we're looking at other manuscripts mm -hmm. that are older than the manuscripts that were used to translate like the geneva bible or the king james bible or the wycliffe bible yeah and we look in and we realize oh yeah <laughs> hmm, there are some verses that are added in here that weren't in the oldest text hmm. So we take those out, and then it, it looks like a big conspiracy. <laughs> Somebody's removing verses well, from the Bible. The Bible says don't do that. Yeah. In today's society, it is good to question things like that. <laughs> well, we're told in 1 Thessalonians 5, test everything. That is true. So that's the one in Luke. That, that's the only one in Luke. Okay. Now we go to John. Let's turn over to John 5. John chapter John 5. John only has one. What? But we have the pericope adultere in John as well. Oh, okay. And I'll get to that here Excuse after we look at John 5. So this is the story of uh, the man who is at the pool of Bethesda. Mm -hmm. He's lame. There's a lot of people who are lame there. They, they go down into the waters believing that the waters will give them healing. But there's only one man that Jesus goes to and tells him to take up his mat and walk. I was going to clarify for the younger listeners that lame does not mean, like, boring. <laughs> <laughs> lame means that they're not physically able to in one way or another. Isn't like, a that... leg is broken or something. Sure, but isn't lame, like, our generational word? I don't think little kids out there are using lame. I don't know. Are they? I don't know. I don't know either. You hang out with more kids than I do. Yeah, but I also have my own brain and stuff goes on up there that <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if they use a different word. 
All right, so this guy's a loser. He's lame. Oh, stop. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, he can't walk. He yes. is physically unable to walk. So here we go. John chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Hmm. What verse was missing? Four. Verse four. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was healed of whatever disease he had. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of detail in that. There is. There's an angel that goes into the water and stirs it up so that a person, whoever, you know, goes down into the water and and they think that they will be healed. Mm, Okay. (laughs) But John didn't write that. So someone had added that into the text, but it wasn't from the Apostle John. Strange. Yep. And they didn't get that anywhere else in the Bible. Nope. That one's not from anywhere else. Hmm. Because this story only appears in John 5. Right. Yeah. That's weird. It is a strange one. Okay, now let's go over to John 8. All right. Now, John did not write this, and at one point, this particular story was in Luke. Okay. Different Gospels. So we have the story of the woman caught in adultery. Now, I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's 11 verses, but John 8, you know the story, the woman that gets brought to Jesus, the law says... This woman who's been caught in adultery, she must be stoned. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, let he who is without sin be the first to cast the stone at her. Mm -hmm. And then they drop their rocks and split. Right. This is the abridged Gabe version. (laughs) And then Jesus says to the woman, where are they who are to condemn you? And she says, nowhere, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. It's a great story, Mm -hmm. but John didn't write it. Okay. And like I said, there was at another point a time when this story was in a different gospel. Hmm. And it wasn't in John. It may have been some sort of an oral tradition kind of a thing. And like I've shared before about these scribes, could have been written in a margin. Mm-hmm. And somebody just decided they love that story. Yeah. And so they brought it from the margin right over into the text and made it part of the text. But John didn't write this. Well, I mean, Jesus uh, did a lot more miracles than what were recorded in the Bible. That's in, that's in John. Right. Yeah. At the end of John, it says if, many, many more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If if all of the things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry had been written down, there would not even be enough books mm-hmm. to contain all the things that he did. Right. That John says that it's possible. It's that possible. It was one. Right. Huh. It's possible that the story is true, but it was not written by John. Interesting. And I'm with James White. Okay. I don't think the story should be in there. If sometime, and when we went through John together, when I did my study through John, it's just a few years ago now on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But when I went through John, I had said, if you get the opportunity, if you're studying through the gospel of John, ignore John 7, 
uh, 52, 53, right. Okay. John 7, 53 through 8, 11. Just ignore it. Uh-huh. Read through John 7, and then at the end of the chapter, at verse 52, jump over to John 8, 12, and continue reading. Yeah, mine even says in brackets, the earliest, like, in the writing, I don't have to pick, I don't have to um, click on one of the numbers or anything. It says, in the writing, it says in brackets, the earliest manuscripts do not include 753 through 811. Yeah, and most texts will have that. Oh, really? Most Bibles will have some sort of a note in there. because it's not just one verse that they, they're like, Le- let's leave it in there for confusion's sake or what? <laughs> for confusion's sake. <laughs> so people won't get confused. One verse you're not going to really notice. I mean, I had to go back and search for some of those. Yeah, that's a pretty substantial chunk of text. Yeah. You can't really put that down in a footnote. 812. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, let's just start this at 812. <laughs> but going back to the exercise I mentioned, if you read it, Going from John 7 to 8, 12, uh-huh. it flows better. Hmm. You will notice, you'll notice like, oh, yeah, that sounds way better. Huh. It's kind of weird that the action stops to talk about this story of the woman caught in adultery. If you read through John 7 and 8, ignoring that story, the text flows together way better. Oh, interesting. So you can tell something's been stuck in there that kind of messes up. It's even on like a different day. Hmm. So it's it's uh, messes with the flow. Huh? Yeah, it just doesn't fit. Interesting. Uh, I'll have to do that. That's not one of the missing texts. I, wh- I wasn't including that as a missing text because it's there because it's there. That's just a bonus. But it for should you. be missing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I don't think it should be there. Let's do the next one here. Oh, well, no, this next one we already did. So this was what started the whole thing was Acts 837. Oh, yeah. That was the question we originally got uh, from Angie. I should have started with Angie's question in the beginning. Oh, well, go ahead and hit that up now. I enjoyed the explanation of missing verses in the Bible, but I was disappointed that you only covered one of them. That was when we went through Acts 837. Mm -hmm. Could you go through the other 15 Bible verses and explain why they don't belong in the text. So again, if you look at Acts 8, we'll do that one real quick. Do 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 do. I'm not there. Acts 8:37. I'm one page over. Here we go. So Philip opened his mouth beginning with the scripture. He told the Ethiopian eunuch the good news about Jesus, and they were going along the road and they came to some water and the eunuch said, "See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized?" What's missing is verse 37. Uh Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And now verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Uh So that was some scribe stuck in there something. I mean, you don't even get that from another verse in the Bible. Uh He just tried to fill out the story a little bit more. But it was not what Luke wrote when he originally wrote Luke. Or when he <laughs> when he originally wrote Acts. Got it. Yeah. The next one's in Acts 15. So we go from here over to Acts 15. Okay. Acts 15, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 30. So this is after the Jerusalem Council. Okay. And the apostles and those who are there have decided what to say to the Gentiles who have been told by the Judaizers that they have to be circumcised in order to be saved. Okay. So this letter that they came, uh, that they come up with that's going to go to the Gentiles, it says you must abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. 
So Paul and Barnabas are taking this letter. They go down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained at Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. What verse was missing out of that? Verse 34. Verse 34. But it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Hmm. That's almost like a commentary note. Yeah. Like it's something a preacher would say mm-hmm. as he's preaching this text and say, now he didn't go with Paul and Barnabas. We uh, The understanding here would be that Silas remained at Antioch. Right. You know, he might make a comment like that. Mm-hmm. There's another Just one in Acts. Implied. Yep. I think we got a couple more here. So Acts 24. And again, that's a comment that's pretty harmless. Right. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't twist any doctrine or anything like that. Just clarifies. But as we're talking about being as accurate to the original text as possible, Mm -hmm. Luke didn't write that. So we're not going to include that. Right. Acts chapter 24. uh, Let me begin reading in verse. Well, I may as well start at the top. Okay. (laughs) So this is. (laughs) Verse one. This is Paul who is, uh, he's been arrested by the Hebrews. He has to appear before Felix. Okay. The priests, the Pharisees, they're going to be making their case against Paul before the governor. So in chapter 24, verse 1, after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation... In every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find from him about everything of which we accuse him what verse was missing seven verse seven but the chief captain lysias 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 yeah (laughs) i don't know came and with great violence took him out of our hands commanding his accusers to come before you so we have verses seven and eight there now you still have a verse eight but it's only a portion of eight mine starts with verse six even yeah, I like think there's... finishes off the verse 6. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't start early enough. Mm-hmm. So some manuscripts add, we would have judged him according to our law, but the chief captain, Lysias, came and with great violence, da-da-da-da-da. Right. So that, that happened previously in the story, mm. and it's like whatever scribe was copying this just took that, stuck it there. Got it. When it didn't need to be there. Right. And it wasn't what Luke originally wrote in that section. Right. Okay. That's what happened with that passage. All right, one more in Acts. Let's go to chapter 28, very last chapter. They were pretty zealous in this this book. So this is Paul preaching in Rome. He has shared his testimony. He shared the gospel. There are many who come to faith, but there are many who do not believe. Mm -hmm. And to them, Paul says in verse 25, 
the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Hmm. What verse was missing? 29. Verse 29. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed, having much dispute among themselves. Mm. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. Not a necessary note there. Right. And wasn't the way that Luke concluded that uh, that little dialogue. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of implied. That the Jews walked away and didn't believe. And were grumping about it. And we've seen that happen. <laughs> we've seen They're that happen many grumping. times. That's yeah. right. Yeah. All right, so that's all of Acts. We finally finished Acts. Okay. We did the whole book. That was the last verse in Acts. There we go. Nowhere for us to go. Let's go to Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 16, last chapter of Romans. Romans 16. Now, this is uh, the final instructions. Paul gives greetings from certain persons, and then we conclude with this wonderful doxology. Let me start in verse 21. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. He would have been Paul's scribe. Okay. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages— but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. I just had to read that whole doxology. I was wondering. <laughs> what verse was missing? 24. 24. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Yeah. Amen. But there's not a reason to have to put that. No, and it's kind of a weird place to put it. Yeah, I mean, because we still have the doxology, which concludes with an amen. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. It's a common way Paul concludes his letters by saying the grace of Christ be with you all. Sure. He doesn't finish Romans that way. So, it, But he has this great doxology. Why do you need to stick that in there? To make a conclusion where there's already a conclusion. Yeah. It's kind of like a PS, you know. <laughs> now, let's go to First John. This is one of the most complicated. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm not going to go into great detail. I know James White's talked about it quite a bit. The uh, I can't remember the name of it, though, like the Latin name for it. Okay. Anyway, let's look at First John 5. The Johannia, Johannium something. Because that's the name for John. Oh, okay. <laughs> First John 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, 
the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. What was missing? I have no idea. That's right. You missed it, didn't you? No numbers were missing in there. It was just consecutive. Yeah, and I six, don't, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't have any numbers to like po- poke at. <laughs> Verses <laughs> seven and eight shouldn't be there. Oh, even in the English Standard Version, they're there. Yeah, but verses seven and eight shouldn't be there. John didn't write them. Oh, that's why I said this there's, is complicated. There's this, nothing to mark yep, that they shouldn't be there. Nothing's in the footnotes either. Okay. But that was not written by John. Okay. And like I said, this this is a very controversial passage, and yeah. I'm not going to go into all of the <laughs> everything uh, everything about that because uh, James White's done entire uh, uh, dividing line episodes mm-hmm. over that and fighting with the King James onlyus yeah about that. But that was added in at a later time. It wasn't what originally appeared in that text. Hmm. All right, there you go. There's so- your. There's your 16, well, there you go. 16 passages in the Bible that don't belong there. They were added by overzealous scribes. Mm-hmm. And then as a bonus, we threw in the Mark and Appendix yeah. and the Pericope Adultery. There you go. Well, thank you for your question, Angie. Yeah. Took a couple of that episodes. Yep. We got through all of those. And now you know. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> sure. I could not help myself. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can get through. (laughs) Thank you. Let's see if we can do some of these miscellaneous questions here. Sure. This one is from, oh, well, this has to do with the most recent what video I did. Okay. On Christian nationalism, which just released yesterday. Mm -hmm. Here's the video, and then I'll answer the question about it. Okay. I have a good sag here. After we finished doing the Bible verses, we'll play a what video and then come into the questions. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And if I'd been thinking ahead, I would have thought of that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Here we go. What is Christian nationalism? The term is often used derisively to discourage mixing Christianity and politics, but actually defining it has mixed results. Christianity Today said that it's the belief that the American nation is defined by Christianity and that the government should take active steps to keep it that way. But wouldn't that be a good thing? Pastor Grant Gaines said that it's imposing distinctly Christian morals on society. And what's wrong with that? Samuel Perry and Philip Gorski believe they wrote the book on Christian nationalism, which they call white Christian nationalism, because if there's a group you want people to hate, make them racists. In Gorski's sleepy talk at Yale Divinity School, he droned on for an hour about Christian nationalism without defining it, but said that half of America affirms it. Affirms what? Well, whatever evangelical Republicans believe in and vote for. If you believe abortion is murder and should be illegal, and homosexuals grooming kids should be tried as pedophiles, you're a scary Christian nationalist. But when Kamala Harris broadcasts into hundreds of black churches to tell them who to vote for, or she says Jesus wants you to get vaccinated, that's not Christian nationalism. There is no consistent definition of Christian nationalism. It's a Marxist strategy to deconstruct 
deconstruct Christianity, and part of that strategy is for you to not know what it is. Sadly, too many Christians are chasing this boogeyman, condemning Christian nationalism, but not global secularism. All politics should be subject to faith in Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Psalm 22:28 says, "For the kingdom is Yahweh's, and he rules over the nations." When we understand the text. I like the music in that one. Me too. I was that, thinking the same thing. That's a good groove. You could even got peppier with it, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Becky's dancing. Y'all can't see. <laughs> y'all cannot see <laughs> Becky's white girl dance here. <laughs> you know, you know, doing that really doesn't. <laughs> nope. It really doesn't fill a picture out at all. It's, However, those that know me are dancing with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, following that video, Brent emailed and said, "Hey, Gabe, I'm not sure what everyone else is talking about, but originally, Christian nationalism is actually the idea of Christians." putting America before God and saying things like America is God's nation. It usually comes with the idolizing of politicians. That at least is how it started. Honestly, it sounds like from your video, it got hijacked by folks who had no idea what they were talking about. A little bit deeper look. Usually said Christians are willing to not follow the Bible. And it's basically what we see all over America where when it comes to politics, suddenly Americans decide God doesn't need to be a part of it. That is, how, that is at least how it started. What it became isn't what I had heard. The first time I heard from it was when a strident conservative coined the term to describe the man, the uh, de- describe a Christian. I suppose it's, the wording's a little funny here. But anyway, uh, describe a Christian who had this heavily devout worship of Donald Trump. I honestly hate to bring that up because... So far, I figured he didn't matter anymore, and I'm glad for that. But perhaps we should just go back to what it is originally, idolatry. Mm. Well, I appreciate that, Brent. I really had never heard the term Christian nationalism, at least had paid no attention to it. If I had heard the term before, it was framed in a right enough context that I never had to ask a question about it. Mm -hmm. But it's only been in the last couple of years that we've heard this term Christian nationalism. Yeah. And it being used to describe a Christian who takes his Christian faith and combines it with his politics. Mm -hmm. So if he's voting his faith, he's a Christian nationalist. The thing about it is everybody votes what they believe in. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should. Right. (laughs) And every nation, every nation is a theocracy. What God do you worship? What God Uh, is that nation in submission to? Yeah. Is it the one true God or is it the pagan gods that? most everybody else worships Mm -hmm. you know this whole thing of like well we can't make america a theocracy america's already a theocracy every nation's a theocracy everybody's worshiping some god Mm -hmm. and every country works differently because of that yeah we need to be in submission to the one true god our laws need to be conformed to his law that's not christian nationalism that's just being a christian yeah if somebody is going to exalt donald trump Mm -hmm. or they're going to exalt america over being a christian Mm -hmm. like their christianity is defined by what it means to be an american rather than the bible right that's idolatry yes and we can call it idolatry we don't need the term christian nationalism Mm -hmm. and where you see somebody teaching wrongly correct that Call it out and say, no, that's wrong. That's not according to what scripture says. Definitely. But we have everything being lumped into these categories that aren't being defined. Mm. And the people that are trying to 
hijack Christianity or stop any progression of Christianity, it's to their advantage to not have to define their terms. Yeah. Make them or define their clearly. terms. Right. What is a woman? Uh. <laughs> I mean, they can't define even define it. They can't even define what a woman is. <laughs> and they refuse to. Yes. It's bizarre. But thank you for your email. I get where you're coming from. But the way that we're hearing the the term Christian nationalism used and the Today. books that are being published, yeah. it is to put down any Christian that would use their faith to guide their politics. Mm. But as it says in Romans 14, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Yeah. So our politics have to be in submission to our faith. Amen. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. He rules over this nation, whether the nation submits to him or not. Very, very true. And, and I got, you're so emphatic yes. about it that it's just bam. Right. <laughs> getting, I'm getting so gesturing here that I knocked my microphone. <laughs> All right, this next one, uh, this this was not a question that was submitted to us. I grabbed this off of social media. Okay. But I felt like it was kind of a fun talking point. Sure. That's why I grabbed it. This is from Megan in West Virginia. Okay. And she said, I was under the impression that three children is a fairly average number, but in the past few weeks, I've heard people saying that three is a lot and crazy, hmm. and wow, they have a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> Now, we have five children. We do. In case you don't know. Now, when I saw that comment, though, I, I thought this this is why this would be a good talking point for us. Uh-huh. Three was our hardest number. Oh, yes. For sure. Two was hard. Don't get me wrong. Because I had... The, the oldest was slow, and you had to really prep and push and let's get out the door, you know, tell her an hour and a half ahead of time that we're leaving now. Right. And then along comes number two, and he's like out the door an hour and a half early <laughs> i'm like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Hey, yeah but he was still he was still pretty chill no I, yeah, he I was. caught him in i have not caught any other child in the car as often as i did him well that's true <laughs> he was i mean gone. Zeej had a lot of activity he did but we we still had <laughs> our first two kids were still pretty two chill children and and i had <laughs> one hand for each of them they put the chill in children. They did. Yeah. They did. That's right. We had one child in this arm mm -hmm. and another child in this arm. Mm -hmm. And then three came along. And then... Uh, we didn't have... it, But but no other arm came along right. with that child. That, that This is precisely why I don't, do not believe in evolution. <laughs> Cause the because moment, where is my other arm? That's right. <laughs> the moment parents started having more than two kids, another arm should have sprouted uh, out yeah. along with that. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Anyway. Three was the most difficult. Now, our third, yes. our third child was colic. Yes. And so she had to be held all the time. Well, didn't have to, but it was just to keep the peace. Yeah. <laughs> it was just crazy if you didn't. But even so, yeah. even so, it was still even like. after she outgrew that, it was still tough. Right. There was still something about three. It mm -hmm. was like, uh, why, why wasn't it this hard when we added a second one? Mm-hmm. And now we have our third child, and it's like everything is five times harder than it was before. Yes. But then when four came along. Mm -hmm. It was a little easier, Yeah, it was actually. just like, hey, a fourth child, yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when we had our fifth one, it was like, oh, boy. <laughs> well, it was. And he was a boy, yeah. <laughs> and a smiley one at that. Yeah, he is, uh, he is precious. And, uh, yeah, every child we've added since then is just like, we just... 
have another child in our family. And yeah. and every child that comes along, it feels like that child's always been there. Yes. We've always been a family of seven. Yes. Yeah. This- <laughs> I know. It's it's a it's strange to talk about it, but it's just so natural. Yeah. It's like there we go. We're we're a family of seven. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> just like we always have been. Yes. <laughs> and now we were meant to be. I can't remember it back in the day. But anyway, I, I thought about bringing that up. When I saw that comment, I was like, okay, I can kind of sympathize with yeah. those people that think three is a lot. Because well, three mean, seem to be the hardest for us. Three three don't fit in the the cart anymore. You well, have that's to right. take two carts That's now right, yeah. Because <laughs> one's for the children and one's for your stuff <laughs> that you're going to buy. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it's, and then three, um, like you can have two right on the stroller, but the third one, what are they going to do? Right. So it, it, you just, you, you and the really car. have to figure it out. Yeah. In the, the car. I mean, you've got three seatbelts back there, but you, it's still, it's, you, you shove you, them in. Yeah. There's it's still not sardines, easy. Sardines, you yeah. know, at that point. <laughs> You're starting to realize, oh, it's minivan time. Or SUV, you know. But minivan seems to be easier because the doors don't go out as wide. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. And they don't drink as much gas. <laughs> the minivan true. doesn't consume as much gas as the SUV. This is true. We were with a family recently who had the big Suburban. Ah, which yeah. is, uh, what is it now? GMC makes the Yukon. Mm-hmm. So it's not the Suburban anymore. They have the Yukon, which yeah. is like the level up from, the, it's <laughs> achievement unlocked. Yukon. <laughs> but just looking at that, just looking at that vehicle, it was just huge. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, uh, that just has to, that gas bill's got to be a lot. Yeah. Well, the tank is also bigger, so you don't. Well, you just cry a little less often. <laughs> you cry when you fill it up, but not as often. Okay, I get it. That was decent. Sorry. <laughs> All right, I think we can get we can get a couple more questions in here. This is from Michelle. Okay. Uh, am I, as a believer, accountable for what I do not know? How can I repent if I do not know that I am sinning, for example? Well, that was something David prayed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he asked that God would reveal to him his sins so that he could confess his sin. Yeah. And that he would grow in holiness before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. Mm-hmm. And lead me in the way everlasting. Yeah. And there, there's other places in the Psalms where David says something similar. And I'm, I'm thinking back to even before all that. Whenever you first heard the gospel and you repented. Yeah. I mean, you repented of yes. all those sins. Right. So aren't you forgiven of all those sins? Yes. Yes. And you, you, you didn't know you were sinning before that. I mean, maybe you did, but, you know, you don't really understand that until you're saved. You might have been convicted over something. Sure. But conviction doesn't lead to repentance unless it's the Holy Spirit. Because like Paul talks yes. about in Second Corinthians, there's a grief that leads to death, mm-hmm. but then there's a godly grief that leads to repentance. Right. So you can be grieved over stupid stuff you've done. Sure. But that doesn't mean you're forgiven for that. Mm-hmm. It's turning to Christ and knowing it is only Jesus who forgives us of our sins. Yes. And when he forgives you your sins, it's all your sins, even the ones you haven't confessed. Right. 
But still, First John unaware of that's right. Still, First John one nine says that if we ask forgiveness for our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and mm-hmm. to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes. So we should still conf- confess our sins to God. Yes. James five says confess your sins to one another mm-hmm. so that you may be healed. But let's say there is a sin you did today and you don't even know that you sin. Right. Because like I said from Romans 14, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Mm-hmm. So what have you done today Yeah, that was was not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Mm-hmm. Is God writing that down in a ledger somewhere and then on the day of judgment he's going to hold you accountable for that? There's going to be an understanding of those things when we come into glory, mm-hmm. but it's not going to keep you out of the kingdom of God. Right. There will be sins that we did not repent of when we walk through those pearly gates. And God is going to receive us into his eternal kingdom anyway. Mm-hmm. That's because of his grace, to the praise of his glorious grace. Yes. Not because we did anything to earn that place with him in glory, mm-hmm. but because he was gracious to welcome us in. Which is why even our greatest deeds are like filthy rags to him. That's right. Isaiah 64, 6. <clears throat> That's, so rejoice in that, Michelle. Yeah. Rejoice in God. And and pray as David prayed. If there is anything in me that I don't know of, mm-hmm. any sin that I have yet to confess, show it to me. And may that be your desire because you want to be holy. Right. You want to be like Jesus. Right. But don't fall into despair over those things that you don't think that you've properly confessed. Mm-hmm. Rejoice in the grace of God that he gives to you every day. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. That's a good place to stop. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. And if you have any questions you'd like to submit to the program, the email address is whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the goodness you show to us. We thank you for your grace. And we pray along with David, know our heart, try us, and know our thoughts. If there's any grievous or sinful way in us, may we become aware of it, that we may repent of it, lay it before the Lord, be forgiven, have our hearts restored, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you for the gospel of Christ that was given to us, that we may know your Son, Jesus Christ, and the salvation that has been given to us by faith in Him. He who died on a cross for us, who rose again from the dead, who ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, who is coming back to judge the living and the dead, knowing that all who are without Christ are under that judgment. Give us boldness to share the gospel, even in the midst of this wicked generation. May we shine like stars in the universe. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.